Boomer. Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was once foretold. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm Kyle Rittenhouse. And uh, today, on a holy day of exoneration, in which uh, we fully support Black Lives Matter in all ways, especially financially, right, Broadcaster? Yes. Mm. We'd like to start off with a, uh, you know, a really earnest, heartfelt hurrah for the upcoming reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Broadcaster Nichols. What do you want me to, what do you want me to say about it? What can you say about a television reboot so brave, so topical, so with it, broadcaster Nichols? It, the trailer looked like uh <laughs> kind of like the description a psychiatrist would give you about depression mm. or something like that, you know. You're drowning in a in a pool of things you want. But there, if you look far, far enough, you see your throne, your rightful throne, your place in the world. They took your throne. Don't you want your throne? Do you Go think they took his throne because he's black? Mm. I'm going to say it's because he's Muslim. Mm. That's not the, the hairline of a Muslim. <laughs> No, it is not, Broadcaster Nichols, uh, but to last this particular mission, we will never know. <laughs> so this reboot is 100% based off of some TikTok video some doofus made where they like pretended like the Fresh Prince was really about racial injustice and like BLM riots and shit. And uh, the, exec- Is it really? the executives over at Peacock were so pressed that they decided to actually hire Will Smith to turn this into a two-season, pre-ordered two-season debut. How many times have you heard of that happening in the history? I wish I was rich enough I could just pre-order <laughs> seasons of television, you know? Just be like, let me get two seasons of Stargate. Pre-order two seasons of Stargate. Just let me inch that in there. <laughs> That doesn't happen. Bricks. That does not happen. But uh, in this case, it did happen. Two seasons ordered right right to begin with, because we know that this deserves two seasons. Uh, based on the trailer, right, Broadcaster Nichols? Mm-hmm. Riveting. Riveting. I bet you Will Smith's not going to be in it. Oh, Jada Pinka Smith is going to be in it with uh, her new husband. Oh, Confirmed. Shit. Oh shit! The debut. She's uh, actually gonna. That's actually gonna be the uh, mom and dad of the new Fresh Prince. Confirmed. <laughs> the debut of Will Smith's Cuckmaster on national mm-hmm. television. Yes, yes, yes. 
Wouldn't it be funny if his name was Bull Durham? I don't care. That's over my head. What was it? <laughs> over my helmet. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a sports movie. Is what? What, pretty, what does uh, that mean? <laughs> it's a, it was a pretty deep cut, uh, awful joke that I'll, I'll take back with full heart. And then, remember heavyweights <laughs> and he's like the cameraman's like it's like speed <laughs> it's like i don't i don't know what that means <laughs> are we rolling <laughs> god that movie is such a classic uh, you know <laughs> you know i'd like to make a message to the the faithful 22 and a half out there listening right now if you haven't seen Heavyweights, I don't give a fuck if you're 56 years old. Go fucking watch Heavyweights right now, because it is funnier than any comedy that's come out in the last 10 years. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Back when movies had soul. Just like, you know, like low budget, just fringe kids movies were better than like the top build movie of today in terms of comedy. It's It's outrageous how poorly comedy has translated into the era of COVID-19. If someone put up against... Someone put up heavyweights... <coughs> someone put up heavyweights against any Marvel movie besides, like, Iron Man and a couple others, I'd say heavyweights. Any any time of the day. <laughs> no doubt. You put it up against fucking... I mean, I even know, because... My mind's so like built for universes now. Now, now my mind was just like, what other movie universes are there? And <laughs> terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible way to think. Anyways, put up against any movie that's come out in the last five years, eight years, I think I'd probably watch Heavyweights. It's a solid fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely comedy wise. I can't even think. The last comedy that I could even compare it to being better reasonably would be like fuck man anchorman <laughs> how long's it been since like a real like barn burner comedy came out like, well i mean school? like the the og seasons of always sunny and stuff like that well, i wasn't even talking like, about tv all, yeah yeah there's all kinds of different comedy TV mediums comedy. That compare but tv comedy I mean, is still in a decent state there. though TV mm. comedy movies are what is in the deepest depths of hell right now. The TV is kind of holding it down, you know, really in thanks to Always Sunny, honestly. They're one of the anchors keeping this shit together. Looking a little old, though, let me tell you. I've been painting the bag a little too long. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the two best comedies on TV right now are Curb Your Enthusiasm and Always Sunny, and those shows are both 20 oh, years old, so. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said, you're, wait, you're painting a grim picture here. You're saying it's in a great state here. It looks, sounds like they're hanging on by a thread. Well, <laughs> it's in a great state because these old folks won't put down the fucking cape. They're just like, they're going to retire. They want to, though. They want to. They're shaking. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Anyway, going back to the Prince of Bel Air, you know, it was a total sitcom, hundred percent comedy. Uh, is now going to have absolutely no comedy and literally just be a drama series about a black kid that, of course, will be uh, picked on by his cis white male teachers. I'm sure he'll be pulled over by really racist cops once every two episodes. Uh, 
I'm sure there there'll be a there'll be a protest in which uh hey man, what's this just coming in? I'm getting breaking news here that uh I will not give a fuck and not watch it. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I I vow to this day I will watch the first episode to report back on this podcast. I will report the fallout. But I'm not watching past the first episode. <laughs> this is purely a science experiment. I will not not diverge into that timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what would be fun? Let's take the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and take every good thing about it and take it out and <laughs> insert politics that everyone really is sick of. And Let's order two seasons. Speaking of taking things out, how about all the mind growth transactions and fucking Halo Infinite? Twenty dollars, twenty dollars. Can you take out set. what was never really there, broadcaster Nichols? Man, it's greasy. Well, Halo Infinite. I mean, infinite microtransactions. <laughs> infinite. It's in the title. <laughs> infinite transactions. <laughs> really, it's on you for just not, you know, not getting it. But I mean, barring the shameful microtransactions, let's talk about the experience system and how it uh, incentivizes you just pretty much to play for a day and a half and then take the week off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the with the whole like <laughs> online service meta and like engagement numbers being the number one thing. It's kind of weird that they designed their system specifically to discourage engagement. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so <laughs> fucking dumb. Yeah. Uh I think they realize that I've read like six news stories about don't worry, they're redoing it. Oh, don't worry, they got your back. It's like, no, they got their they own got, They know they got they, our backs. <laughs> they realize <It's> all right. <laughs> The boys are in the corner going, you know, they're they're rooting for us. But in the meantime, we have a six sick esports color core coming to you live. Do Love you want to look course. like a Christmas tree guardian? Oh wait, wrong game. I think you could select like fucking twenty different colors back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You, t- you make it free, and you take every single extra option away from the game, just leaving the, the skeleton, and you say, you want to build some muscle on those bones? You better be ready to eat. I mean, I'm about ready to buy $100 worth of gold and just go deep, you know? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm committed. I am the To be all warrior. I can be. I just well, want to be Diamond Onyx. I mean, I want to be Onyx. I mean, now that the game's out and you kind of see what's there multiplayer-wise, do you really expect it to keep your attention long-term before you get bored of it? Like, do you really... Even if, let's just say, they totally fix the experience system, and let's say that eh, maybe they make the, the free parts of the battle pass a little bit more lucrative which i doubt they will but let's just say for the benefit of the doubt that they go that direction do you really see yourself playing this as your main fps game for more than three months six months oh yeah i'll probably be playing it for the next year or so 
Just at least off and on. It really depends. I mean, off and on at the minimum for the next year. If the campaign comes out, because I think this is a, there's a lot of chatter online right now, and it's all based on a, a lot of assumptions. But when they did the surprise launch, everyone took that as this is multiplayer at its full extent. You know, this is the best of the best. This is what we're going to get. But it stayed beta. And a lot of people are thinking that December 8th, when the campaign launches, there's going to be a giant day one patch and it's going to go out of beta. And there's just going to essentially be this full, this giant breath of content. You know, the the game modes are going to get, you know, um, a lot more, a lot more game modes are going to get fleshed out. We're going to get infested and, um, you know, King of the Hill and Assault and all those other things that we didn't, we've had back in other past games and stuff like that. But, and beyond that, we get maybe a BR since we're not getting Forge and Co-op. They have some explaining to do because I know campaigns are not going to be that big. It's probably going to be a fucking six hour, eight hour experience. And then, you know, if if that's everything, then yeah, it's at a minimum. It's at a minimum, it's going to be off and on. But if they got something like BR, or there's a huge breadth of content that comes out on campaign launch, then you're going to see me playing that game for quite quite well, a bit. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking single player at all. I'm just talking multiplayer. And maybe you could be right if they release some extra modes, especially a BR that that could help a lot in longevity, but. The what's available now, the big battle, and then the normal classic mode, it's good. It's garbage. It's well, it's well designed, but it's gonna. I'm it's already garbage. It. You mean it's garbage? I think it's garbage design. <laughs> like I'm in for a year. It's garbage. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the way the game modes are fucking clustered. It's so dumb that I have to hop on and pick from quick play, big team battle, or ranked. Like, I should be able to do big team capture the flag, big team slayer, big team action sack, big team snipers only. I should be able to do ranked SWAT and lone wolf and teams. And, you know, I like all the things that have been in every single fucking Halo before this one, you know, just saying. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Time yeah. will tell. Yeah, no, I I agree with you that the modes the mode selection is garbage. Uh, the modes that are there are like good for what they are. Sure, but oh, it's a tight uh, gameplay loop, tight gameplay. Although I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say three four three, you having this bug in big battle mode where if you join as a team you don't get put on the same team as your teammates. That is just some of the most bush league shit. I can't believe that bug exists. And that no one's talking about it. I don't see any news stories complaining about it. Everyone's just obsessed with the battle pass and the XP system. But I'm just like, there is a major flaw in one of your three modes that makes queuing with your friends pointless. There is no point to queuing with people you know in big team battle because you ain't going to be on their team. It's retarded. Oh, let's not forget the um, the chance that your game just crashes. You don't. Yeah. Well, you haven't experienced this one yet, but uh, I found out the brutal way that uh, 
essentially starting a custom games with people is roll the dice. Like it will just crash your game. Some people it just won't work with some people like it's one out of four chance that you'll get a custom game to go. It's crazy. The game just crashes. And not only that, it crashes in ranked, and it actually takes away from your rank. The game doesn't recognize that you lost connection, and it actually penalizes you, and there's no way to redeem yourself. Wow. Yeah. So, not good. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely got some problems, but the the FPS market is so whack right now that it's still the best one out at the moment. <laughs> I have a few people trying to convince me the battlefield is the best, and I'm just like, "Bitch, you living on the moon? <laughs> I played that <laughs> shit in beta. I know what that is. Battlefield. That's some hot garbage. That's some of the glitchiest shit I've seen in a long time. And they totally like did a little hoodwink on people with the trailers. Like the trailers made the gameplay look so much more dynamic and fun, and then you actually play it, and you're just like, oh. Yeah, I have no doubt that game will turn it like give that game a year. And then it will probably be pretty cool. But, <laughs> give that game a year when the next battlefield is about out. <laughs> It'll yeah. be a great place. <laughs> and they turn the servers off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, broadcaster Nichols, I think it's high time we talk Pokemon, you know, Made in Abyss is good and all, but the original cartoon anime kids that aren't deeply inappropriate, they need to take center stage now, broadcaster. No. (laughs) What's your favorite Pokemon? Ditto. <laughs> That's a real hipster p- response you got there. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> ah, well, mine's Pidgey, motherfucker. Pidgey? Pidgey is the unsung hero of Pokemon. <laughs> you fucking loser. <laughs> you might as well pick Rattata. <laughs> He's number two, man. <laughs> He's number two, man. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think about the... Uh, the Arceus. Pokemon Legends Arceus. What are you thinking? You in? Oh, I'm in. Oh. I'm in. I told you about it, bro. I was in before you. <laughs> I have been on the uh, Patreon for Arceus <laughs> since the beginning. That's right. That's, Nintendo's uh, on hard times. They're starting a Patreon for this. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird flex, bro, but I'll allow it. <laughs> so basically, it's Pokemon... Uh, Pokemon... Come on. Legends? S- say Arcaris? it with me. Arcari- God Ar- damn it, broadcaster. <laughs> Pokemon Breath of the Wild. I was setting you up. Damn it. You just sorry. missed it. You missed it. I'm sorry. But but I, I've seen very lush fields of open terrain with nothing in it, Broadcaster Nichols. And that reminds me of a game 
that I was told was great that I played and vehemently disagreed with. Uh, but please tell me, do you think Arceus will be different? I think it will be different just because uh, Pokemon kind of lends itself to roaming around in the wild f- for hours on end, you know, and just catching shit and reporting back with your bounty. Whereas with L- Legend of Zelda or Zelda Breath of the Wild or whatever you want to call it, it was always about a linear journey. There was a lot of side quests, but there was a main line to follow and it felt cool. Like every step of the way, every time you completed a main quest, it felt good. Like you grew a little bit. Breath of the wild did not have any of that. And I think that's because open world just really doesn't serve that original idea of Zelda. Fuck. No, so, I think it will work for Pokemon in a way that it couldn't for Zelda. Because hmm. if you really think about it, like if you took, like if you're just thinking, did you, you played Breath of the Wild, so you're just running around, think about the Breath of the Wild map, right? But you're like looking for the dungeon that's going to give you like the the red tunic and move you in, you know, the next step to go up and do the water temple and shit like that. There's none of that at all in Zelda. You're kind of just going around and you're doing all these things that you do in a normal open world game that you're not used to in Zelda. And all the things that made Zelda cool are just have been pretty much reduced just to an item you can purchase and don't really mean much, (laughs) you know, where with Pokemon, you're like the, the giant open world is, in a way, if you will, no pun intended, a breath of fresh air, you know, because it really adds well breath done. to the whole the whole genre. Because now you're not just going to like the Eternia Forest and Pokemon Diamond or whatever and on a route and it's like some 2D stamped image that you're just roaming through the grass. It looks like every other place. Now you actually can see the trees in a 3D world. And the Pokemon could be on the branches, and I'm talking about way in the future if they continue this type of thing with the main platform, the um, the main series, and don't just turn this into a one-off thing. But I could see them adding way more creativity to how you see Pokemon, and like, like I mean, seeing uh, what do you call that? A wormhole in the grass, you know, a little caterpillar. But then seeing a butterfly like fly up in the sky in an actual 3D open world is kind of cool for Pokemon in a way because you yeah. never got to see them like that. Yeah, I, get, I think that you're right. It, it could work better for Pokemon than it did for Zelda. But one thing that I really am wondering about is the whole structure of the Pokemon game loop to me was always explore, grind, boss, repeat. So the boss would be the the leader, the gym leader. And the exploration would be like the fields you're going to the next town or whatever. And then the grinding would be, uh, oh, I got my ass kicked by Brock. I need to level up my fucking uh, Squirtle. 
more and get like a new ability or whatever. I don't know how they're going to do the, 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 the final part of that, the whole gym leader, the whole, the dungeon aspect, the boss aspect. It doesn't seem like there is one from the trailers. I didn't see anything that suggests that that is a part of the game loop. So if this game is just exploring, catching Pokemon and fighting Pokemon in the wild, and that's it, it's, it's going to be a dud in my opinion. Yeah. Well, it definitely is just that it will be a dud, but I, man, I'd be so surprised if that's all it is. So you just think they're holding back that part of the game. They're just not showing it yet. Yeah. Cause it might be something radically different. But then again, there's a whole bunch of rumors going on that this, if this works out, that this is where they want to take the main two um, part um, games that they release every, their annual game release or whatever. So going forward, if this game was successful, you would see like a Diamond and Pearl type open world release, a black and white esque type open release every year. Open world release, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, going back to the point, you know, to your your point of saying it's all just catching Pokemon out in the wild, the bosses might actually be the legendary Pokemon. Because the whole premise of this game is like, before Pokemon and humans really had a good relationship, and it's kind of rare to see po- people with Pokemon, so you're going to be kind of like a rare class of individual that's actually going out there and catching Pokemon. And you're going to have like a really hard time doing it. I think, I don't know what they mean. If if that's just like what they mean and that doesn't really translate to gameplay per se, it's just going to be the same outing as your, a, a, a poke, a, you know, anybody that's yeah. played a Pokemon game is used to, or if it actually translate into a harder experience to catch even the most common of Pokemon, which would then make the legendary Pokemon, Kind of like a boss battle experience, you know, well, like a dark a Dark Souls experience, you know, uh, which would be yeah, kind of well, cool. You say Dark Souls, but the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, man, the, up. <laughs> the vibe I was getting was more like Monster Hunter with the, the especially the second gameplay trailer where they were showing they were showing encounters with bigger, more dangerous Pokemon like it, it, you could tell that they were sort of changing the dynamic with those or like this isn't a normal pokemon you see him like running away and dodging and doing all this shit uh when fighting like gyarados and some that big bear pokemon that's from the newer ones i have no idea what its name is uh if that's it and this is just basically pokemon monster hunter world i don't know how into that i'm gonna be But, Broadcaster Nichols, there's always a chance that Team Rocket will show up. But this time, they're furries, and they want to steal your Pokemon for other reasons. Yes. Do you think they'll go there? The furries furries have been expanding their reach since 99. I've feared their reach for quite some time. It, well, Nintendo's now allowing like giant penis monsters in their games, so uh, <laughs> furries are not out of the question here. Giant penis monsters from outer space, <laughs> I'm telling you. 
I do like the feudal Japan setting, though. That's kind of novel, and I think probably because we just played uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and I really, really loved that game's aesthetic and setting. I was kind of getting, like, you know, Pixar version of that vibes from this game, especially with certain areas and the cities. Eh. I mean, low budget. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, maybe kiddie, like, it's like a kitty version. Maybe, maybe like Pixar and like, what the fuck? Well, Toy Story I'm, 1. For, I'm, yeah. I'm forgetting I'm forgetting what it was. A fucking a Virtual Boy, you know? Virtual Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of boys that might be Virtua, Whoa. Broadcaster Nichols, <laughs> are you ready to get to our review of Dune? <laughs> no. Yes. I have no fear. (laughs) What's that? You want more crack seller? (laughs) This is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack seller. Hey, you over there. Are you a straight up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our Boomer! <laughs> of Dennis Villeneuve's Dune. And uh, the creator of this movie describes it as the following... In the far future of humanity, Duke Leto Atreus accepts stewardship of the dangerous desert planet Archaeus, the only source of the most valuable substance in the universe, the spice, a drug which extends human life and provides accelerated levels of thought. Broadcaster Nichols. I was skeptical of this movie. I put off watching this movie. It's one of those things where the the original David Lynch movie is so close to my heart and 2021 is so far from my heart that I just did the mental math and I just didn't think it was going to be good, Broadcaster Nichols, but tell me, was I wrong? Uh, yeah, you were wrong. Sorry, I just took a huge hit of spice. <laughs> <laughs> Let the spice flow. Um, but yeah, you were wrong. No doubt. This is a the most faithful remake since the 2000 miniseries that was ahead of its time. I'll just <laughs> say that. <laughs> real trailblazer. <laughs> yeah. But... Man, it was cool. I, I as a huge fan of Dune. I mean, I've only read the first book, and I've seen, <clears throat> I've seen the miniseries and the David Lynch movie. So, I mean, I've, I was really happy, ex- 
extremely happy for them not to start out with that boring ass intro <laughs> about meditation or whatever the fuck it was. I can't remember now. But seeing the the Sarakon or what the what is the the Sadakar mm-hmm. at the beginning there, that was pretty dope. That was pretty cool to see in like in I, I forget what they're called now, but that pretty much that Sardaukar priest just sitting there going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know dude. that was so dope. <laughs> I know, like I I turned the movie on and it just immediately starts with that, and I like it took my brain a few seconds to register. I'm like, wait, what? And then I did a double take and then I rewinded it again and I paid more attention and I couldn't believe that they started it like that. That's such a tone setter. Well, it's cool because I think that's kind of what, well, I mean, as I said earlier, the miniseries, which I forget who does the miniseries in 2000, but neither the David Lynch or the miniseries really did the Sardaukar justice or the Hurricanes for that much for that. Like all of them were kind of just these whimsical, like fantasy characters, you know, that really played into some old school acting tropes. None of them were vicious and seemed like the fierce dominant armies that uh, the galaxy fears, you know? And when you see the Sadaka, the, 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 I keep on fucking this up, the Sadakar, uh, you're just like, oh shit, this is like House Lannister right here. <laughs> you know, like you're about to, <laughs> their army yeah. fucks people up, you know? <laughs> it just yeah. seen all those people hanging upside down. I don't know if you knew, did you ever read the books at all? I have only seen the David Lynch movie. Okay. And well, I've seen I've seen the David Lynch movie about a dozen times. I don't know how much the movie the future movies cuz we don't even know if there's this is I found out this is actually going to be a two-parter and the, well, the second yeah, part isn't ends. even officially I thought it was originally going to be a three-parter. No, so, no, no, no. It's a fir- it, the second movie is confirmed. It's Greenland. Is it's, it? it's okay. yeah, it's going to come out in 2023. They've actually already announced when it's coming out. So this is good. This is good news because that was in the back of my mind. This whole movie that was kind of breaking my heart. I was like, oh, my God, please tell me this is going to be a part one only. (laughs) I I would be fucking pissed. Yeah, the movie, this movie ends right when he joins up with the fucking cave people. So it's yeah. it's not very deep, like all the cool shit that you remember from the David Lynch movie. Uh, at the end is not in this movie, which yeah, I didn't know, dude. Fade, Fade wasn't even in it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't even get Sting's replacement. We didn't I even know. get a taste of Sting's replacement. It's so funny too, because I was saying the whole time, like, I can't wait to see who replaces Sting. And then I was like, oh shit, <laughs> not an ounce of Fade. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, those those people hanging upside down on the altars at the beginning of the Sadakar oh uh, army, dude. those are acolytes. So, good. so those those acolytes sit out there in the rain and drown. And if they can't resist, if they they drown, they drown. <laughs> the ones that don't drown survive. And those are the boot. That's that's your initiation. Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> that shit was so fucking metal. 
this this whole take on the book, which I've never read, I, so I, I, my entire frame of reference is David Lynch. But th- when I go into this with David Lynch being my, one of my favorite directors of all time and just being like, there's no way this is going to be better than his version. To see shit like this, like what you're talking about with the acolytes hanging upside down on the crosses and the way that they did the Harokin and they... Aaron Harokin? They (laughs) made a race of like bubbly acid faced like gippers into like a race of supernatural hellraiser demons like what the fuck how is there such a difference and as someone who read the book you can answer this which one is more faithful to the book because they are very very different portrayals. Dennis's is definitely far. Well, I mean, it's hard to know because there's only original concept art that that people can really go off of for original, um, like takes on what Frank Herbert thought that the universe would look like. But <clears throat> from what I've seen, a lot of the ships, like especially uh, the Atreides ships and stuff like that, mm. were super OG and original. Like seeing those like come out of the water and stuff like that, that was that was pretty cool and old school. Well they but, I thought they almost all looked just like the the nineteen eighty four Dune as well. Like they looked better, obviously, but the, a lot of the ship designs I thought were almost the same. Uh I mean I'd have to go back and watch really because it's been a long time, but I remember some pretty wacky out there David Lynch designs. Well the the <laughs> little the little bug the little bug spaceship flyer that they use on the planet, that's definitely way different. That's the yeah. one I noticed. I was like, okay, that's way different. But like their actual interstellar yeah. ships, I thought were mostly the same. But when I saw the portrayal of the Harkonnen and specifically there's a scene in this movie. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in a movie in very, very, very long time. Like I couldn't believe this scene. It's when the the Asian doctor guy who betrayed the Atreides and took the shields down and let the Harkonnen into the city comes up to the boss and says, you told me you'd free my wife, blah, 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 blah. And this motherfucker just starts floating into the sky like a god. And he like leaves this like black void trail under him. And it creates this vision like he's some like ascending demon that's about to loom over this guy. That is one of the greatest scenes I have seen in a very long time. It gave me goosebumps. Yeah, no, dude, the the Baron Harkins... Got some justice done to him, that's for sure. Dude, the one, David Lynch's rendition. <laughs> I love the David Lynch version, but the Baron in the David Lynch version was a fucking comedic character. He was, a he was comic ball, relief. <laughs> this yeah. guy was the boogeyman, dude. They turned him into the fucking boogeyman. And oh my god, whoever played him, I don't know what I think it was uh, Scar- Scarsgard, Scars right? Card. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He fucking he was getting visions from other galaxies when he did this role, dude, like his portray. There's good acting all around in this, but I think his acting was just fucking, it was phenomenal. It was good. It was definitely, uh, the top of the tier. Yeah. And the Um, bottom was his nephew, Dave Batista. That just, I wish we could just get a mulligan on him. 
Nah, Dave wasn't that bad. I think Zendaya was, was really bad. <laughs> Zendaya was the worst. <laughs> Zendaya, who's Zendaya play? Uh, she's uh, the hard squeeze for Paul. I forget her name. Oh, uh, the the Freeman girl. Yeah. Okay. What's her name? She. I mean, she barely even acted in the movie, but yeah, she wasn't great. I agree with you there. Okay, yeah. so her her and fucking Batista are in the running. I'll give you that. Everyone else, I think, was only had like two minutes of acting in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If that. <laughs> well, uh, I liked Timothy Chalamet's Paul Atreides, but I'm going to have to give it, give it to my boy. Kyle MacLachlan is Paul Atreides. That is one thing I'm going to say 1984 <laughs> in the W column. What say you? I mean, we have yet to see him drink a, the juice. Or ride, right? a, ride a worm cool. into battle. <laughs> exactly. You True. Know, when, he, when we uh, see him drink the bile of the worm and <laughs> take on some some hurricanes and ride the worm, we'll, we'll see. Because, you know, young Chalamet will be a lot more young and powerful. When the second part comes out, I'm guessing. You Unless think it's already s- filmed. No, they haven't they haven't filmed it yet. It's in pre production right now. Do you think they're gonna use CG on Timothy Chalamet in this in the sequel? Are they gonna do like the Irishman kind of shit? <laughs> no, that'd be so dumb. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it, so I think dumb. It, I think it could happen if the way that they're depicting spice in this movie it kind of makes it me... would be really cool to get Kyle McLaughlin in the second part, though. <laughs> Squeeze him in somehow. Hell yeah. And dude, is, is what if alive? he's fade? <laughs> oh, God, dun, 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 dun. that is no, dude, that's like 5D chess. There's no way he could be that transcendent to do pull something off like that, dude. It'd be next level. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it would be. And Kyle McLaughlin, he's still acting and he's still good. He was in uh, something I saw recently. He was in uh, something, yeah. <laughs> I know I saw something recently with him. Oh yeah, it was the new fucking, uh, the new season of Twin Peaks. Which is yeah, really the that sequel new. of something he did in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was good in it still. Like he, yeah, I didn't think he lost the the spark. You know what I mean? Some actors I think it's do. Kind of crazy how much Timothy kind of looks like Kyle, <laughs> like young guy. Like when you really think about it, you're like, man, Hollywood's fucking creepy. How they just pull these young kids out of the fucking Lazarus pit? They're like, yeah, this guy looks like Kyle enough. Fucking throw him under the slab. <laughs> you're famous now, Timothy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh i like the chick who did lady jessica what, what do you think oh yeah dude the whole time i was like you're a convincing witch lady oh fuck i yeah. just thought of her treachery the whole time i was just like witch mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like the scene which i think is probably one of the most famous scenes from the the original dune movie which is also in this movie where the fucking what's what's her rank the mentat or not what was 
that chick. The men, well, the men, no, the mentat are the people that what's his name was that failed him in the beginning to find the the hunter seeker. Uh, oh wait, uh, the Reverend they, Mother is what they call her, right? Yeah, she's yeah they call she's her like the Mother. super. She, space she's part of the Belenese or whatever. Yeah, so that scene, I think, when I first saw that movie as a little kid. That scene is what really burned into my brain out of everything in that movie. The sandworms were number two, but that scene with the box always stuck with me. And it just made this crazy impression on me at a young age. And when I was watching the new version of that in this movie, I got, I got like the same feeling. I think I got as a kid the first time I watched it then dude, like it, it almost felt new. It was so well done. And I really liked the the chick who played the the space nun, the Reverend Mother. Dude, for sure, I loved her, her parting words to Timothy. Yeah. <laughs> Survive, human. <laughs> <laughs> she was great, man. She really was. Or right, I hope you survive, human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought Javier Bardem as the leader of the Freemen was kind of uh, a little over the top, a little. I don't know. I can't I really add that much acting, to be honest. I forget his name. Sir Stilgar. What is it? Stilgar. Stilgar. And yeah. His. I don't know. There's something about the way he delivered it. It just. It didn't. It fell flat for me. It just felt like he was acting in the wrong movie, you know what I mean? Like, compared to everyone else's tone and delivery. Yeah. I feel like he's... I feel like we're we're moving, reviewing half of a movie, though. Like, when the second part comes we out, are, there, yeah. there might be some characters that have a lot more time to shine. I mean, without, mm-hmm. you know, ruining too much for people, there are other characters that will come back and have time uh-huh. to shine. Like a zombie uh-huh. Duncan Idaho. Not dun, zombie. Dun, dun. He's a gallo, dude. He's a gallo. <laughs> what did you think? What did you think about our our boy Ronan Dex as Duncan Idaho? I thought he did pretty well, but it's crazy how these people can't take certain mannerisms out of like their acting. Yep. Like fucking. He's just like he he did like the classic when he got out of the 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 dragonfly jet. He did the classic fucking crouch down and opened his arms up and like did like the bear hug thing. Yep. It's like, dude, I think you do that in every fucking movie. Well, he he fucking <laughs> invented that in Atlantis too. That's why it sticks out to you because he did that several times in Atlantis. And uh yeah, that's exactly when he, when he comes on screen and he does that and I'm just like, "Oh, it's Ronan Dex." Ronan Dex. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's like I like him. He's a good actor and uh everything, but it's it's just something with him where he he has to be this guy and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. For the role of Duncan Idaho, I don't think it worked that well. Uh, I mean this rendition of Duncan Idaho, for sure, I think it fit him pretty well. I'm just, I always wonder in the back of my head, you know, like, did Jason Momoa just have an in with Dennis Volanue and 
It's like, oh, you know, I think we can bend, you know, Duncan Idaho's character to Jason Momoa a little bit to make it work. Or was it actually Dennis was like, no, I think Jason would be a good fit for <laughs> what I have in my head for I'm, Duncan Idaho, which sure I find hard to believe. Yeah, exactly. I find the <laughs> latter very hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I I like Jason Momoa. I just don't think he's a good Duncan Idaho, but. It wasn't horrible either. I mean, it didn't hundred. It didn't ruin the movie. I, I mean, I love this movie. It didn't ruin the movie or anything. But it's Duncan Idaho was like a pretty important sort of like anchor character of the original movie, and in this he felt uh, it didn't feel the same. It just felt like he was kind of an extra. Yeah, but we. I mean, we have no idea what they're gonna do with his revival as a Gallo and the the second part and then even like there's still was it called the, the god emperor and then, like the child of dune and all that shit because paul atreides has a son that ends up being you know like the actual tro- chosen one so there's all like spoiler all alert stuff, Jeez. you know there's all that's that it. stuff in the far far future you so know, that's so. like in the second and third book yeah i think that's Fifth book or something oh like that. God, <laughs> dude. All right. Well, but, I doubt that we're ever going to see that on the big screen then, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, what'd you think about uh, our boy uh, Apocalypse as Duke Leto Atreides? You mean Thanos? I mean, oh no! Oh shit! Never mind. There's I mean so many po, characters. I mean, Sorry. I mean, Poe Apocalypse. <laughs> Poe Apocalypse. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad they got his death out of the way quick. Uh, it was cool. You know, he didn't do that bad of a job. He didn't actually do that bad of a job. He did a great yep. job, in Agreed. my opinion. It wasn't that bad. It uh, gives me hope for Moon Knight a little bit, even mm. though the trailer didn't give me hope. For midnight, yeah. but uh, let's not go to the side too much. Nonetheless, he died, and it was a good death, and it was an even cooler recovery for the em- or sorry, not the emperor. We didn't see the emperor uh, for the Baron Harkin. Yeah. Oh, dude, that fucking scene where they rush in and they see him up on the fucking ceiling in the corner, just fucking hiding. <laughs> that dude. There's so many good scenes like that. They're just like kind of throwaway scenes but they're so good and so pivotal in this really small way that's what that makes this movie great is it just like really focuses in on these details and like really makes them it gilds the lily with the small well anybody that anybody anybody that watched uh blade one blade runner 2049 very like really yeah very similar vibes in this movie yeah so I think Dennis is kind of just like that. He's one of those directors and cinematographers that just really that's that's his um his trademark is making every scene pop, you know. He's a really expensive guy <laughs> to work with. <laughs> I can just see like when producers and executives like hire this guy, they're like, "Well, this is going to be a very high budget movie." He's like the ne- he's like the next Ridley Scott. He is. I I, I was actually going to say that uh, he is like the new. The way that we look back on Ridley Scott is the way that kids today are going to look back on Dennis Villeneuve. 
Like this movie, you can just tell, you can feel as you're watching it that this is one of those movies that people are going to be watching 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. It is fucking amazing because part two never happened and they're going to be longing. <laughs> It'll be like Xeno years. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to reboot it again. And have a part one for the fourth time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Hans Zimmer just popping in to do a fucking killer soundtrack for this movie too. Just doing bangers. His whole life. So casual. Not going to stop. <laughs> like, sure, I'll make an S tier soundtrack for your Dune remake on, you know, I have a weekend coming up. Well, when you get as many zeros on a piece of paper as Hans does, I mean, you you, you come to the table with Akatsuki level jutsus, you know? <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, why don't you just tell us something about this movie that we don't know? What's the secret message of Dune? Uh, the secret message of Dune is don't fuck with Mother Nature. It eats everything. And it also has consumed things that you'll never know about. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real message of Dune. Yeah, I think the real message of Dune is that you better have a large bank account if Dennis Villeneuve is directing your movie. I feel like the first 15 minutes of that movie cost more than almost all entire movies cost. Well, dude, I'm pretty sure parts of this movie were being filmed back when the end of the final season of Game of Thrones was out, coming out. Really? Just to give you an idea. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hmm. It's like uh it's like Mad Max, bro. Like it took five years to film. <laughs> yeah. He, apparently this uh movie broke the HBO Max record. Good deserves it yeah it's good to hear because i didn't i always kind of thought dune was kind of fringe i don't know it is fringe (laughs) yeah like i don't know too many people that know what dune is everyone knows star wars most people know star trek i feel like dune is fucking miles and miles behind the two in terms of modern broad scale appeal so for it to break a record like that is just like damn dude it's good kind of funny too because if doom becomes popular i think a lot of people soon realize that george r martin jacked fucking frank herbert hardcore (laughs) (laughs) so like i'm just gonna make a fantasy version (laughs) of dune instead of a (laughs) sci-fi Do 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 do. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Winds of Winter is still not out. <laughs> that's what crazy to me that that's still not out. I don't think it's gonna happen. It's like Duke Nukem Forever. Yep. So God. okay, uh, I'm kind of hesitant to ask you this question because you've read all the books and you probably know. I haven't read all the books. Have you read, read the book I've after read the first one? 
part very partially and it's been a long time i didn't finish it and i forgot about it well (laughs) assuming part two i know things assuming part two finishes the first book it should just based on what they kind of like previewed where do you think that the the third movie goes if a third movie is greenlit do you think it'll just go straight through the books? Because it does seem like he is very, very much <clears throat> a stickler for following the source material. I think the third one would pretty... So, the movie in his vision, the the first the part one, the one we just watched and we're reviewing, the vision kind of shows him fighting um, the Sadakar. Like they're mm-hmm. popping out of the desert, and he's flipping over him. And he takes off his mask, and it reveals like it's it's Paul. That might actually be a vision of something that might take place in part three and not part two, because part three would be pretty much him teaching the free uh, the freeman to. Uh, like uh, the Artrades, like fight like the Artrades, but like then become and mix their style together, and then they'd be a more formidable army than the Sadakar, and then they would eliminate the Sadakar. And that pretty much, I don't know if they're going to mix that up, you know, and do something different, but obviously that's where. Everyone, that's kind of obviously everyone knew that was coming, but I'm not sure if part two is actually going to just rush that and combine part what I what naturally would be like part two and part three in the book and just kind of combine part two and three and make it part two of the movie. So you might see that, or they only do what we saw in the David Lynch movie and what I would expect what I read in the, in the book and part three would be the actual, uh, the fruit being bared of Paul teaching the Freeman, his tech, his Artrades techniques and fighting style and going to destroy the Sardaukar and, uh, going to their home planet, which I figured was called. It's like Salmia or something like that. Mm-hmm. And by that time, and they already, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but obviously they said, you know, Lady Jessica was already pregnant. He revealed that from his visions. That's his sister, Alia, I think her name was. Alia, mm-hmm. or Alia. Um, she's probably going to be in part three. I can't imagine. Well, she'll be in part two as, like, being born and, and a child. But unless they do, like, a big time skip... I don't think she'll actually be the character that we remember her being in like the mini series, which I don't know if you remember that or not, but I've never seen the mini series. Okay. So this Holy war that he mentions, which another one of my favorite scenes in this movie where he's holy war. freaking off. He's just like, oh, holy war in my name. Just like the way he did that's that. The gold, well, that's the golden path. <laughs> I loved that shit. I really love that shit. So is, do you think that holy war is 
is what the next set of movies is going to be about. How long does the Holy War actually last? Is it just like infinite? Or remember, those visions don't necessarily come true. Remember, like he dreamt that guy, like Jameis, the guy he ends up killing. uh, He was having visions the whole time in the movie of him teaching him things. And he ended up not doing that at all and just killing him in a knife fight. (laughs) So, Hmm. I mean... You got to take the visions for what they are. The you know? Holy War um, thing seemed and really you, specific. <laughs> sure, and it's that it, they were trying to illustrate what the the Belenice, or I think that's what they're called, the Belenice uh, um, vision for the future of humanity is, which is the golden path, mm-hmm. which is uh, what he I think was the what they were trying to show you in that particular vision, which he was rejecting. He's just like, no, I don't want what they want type of thing. I, I don't want the humans just to go around and do essentially what the Emperor's been doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Without spoiling other things. So I could go yeah. on a little bit further, but I feel like I'm just going to ruin yeah. the, the potential of what you'll see in the next movie. Yeah, all right, uh... Another thing I really liked about this movie was the portrayal of the voice, uh, especially in the scene where they're prisoner and they escape. Yeah, that was dope. Like, goddamn. Cool. <laughs> it was the coolest witch noise I could think of. Really Hell nailed yeah. it. <laughs> this this movie is just full of these little one-off scenes that you're just like, oh my god. God, why can't every movie do this type of shit? It is a treat, man. I'll tell you that. When you get a movie or a video game or television, whatever it is, and it's just firing on all cylinders, it's just it's just rare. Yep. It's very rare nowadays. <laughs> and it, it it Dune was firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Uh, the spice will flow, broadcaster Nicholas. I was really surprised we didn't get uh, <laughs> that line. <laughs> I was really two. expecting that. When he came out of the bath, when he the recovery mm-hmm. bath, when they were just like, he's still recovering. <laughs> and fucking... Uh, Another amazing scene. Fucking, the, that what's his name? Scene. The Beast? The Beast? What's his actual name? I always just remember it as The Beast. Uh, but, uh, are you talking about Dave his Batista's nephew? character? Yeah, Dave oh, Batista's. Yeah, it's Robon. Because Fade's his younger brother, right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, nonetheless, the bath scene when they're just like he's not done recovering, yet, and he's like talking about the situation how they escaped. And he just comes up and he's like, "So they're finished." <laughs> and then he starts talking about he's like all right continue the spice production i was like all right here we go here we go <laughs> nothing missed opportunity <laughs> yeah but that fucking scene was sick dude like i love it was i love the framing of it with him like just the he's just like chilling there like with this like pool of black liquid and like this acolyte just comes in and just starts dumping this weird looking liquid in and just starts yelling in this weird alien language with no subtitles, by the way. Another thing I love about this movie is it doesn't subtitle the alien language, which gives it this mysterious element. 
So you just have this yeah. acolyte just screaming this fucking alien shit, dumping some crazy liquid into this fucking evil bathtub, and he just walks away, then all of a sudden you start to see the bubbles, and this motherfucker just rises from the sludge. Dude. Just yeah. fucking perfect. Oh, man. Yeah. It's gonna get a lot cooler too with Baron Harkin too, because they're actually showing him like his a deg- his true degradated form, which there's a reason for his degradated form is not just like some sinister tropey thing. Like you're gonna find out why he looks the way he does and mm. like you know, they they dropped a couple Easter eggs in the movie. They talked about how he doesn't have any actual next of kin when he would have the conversation with um one of the Minotat and the witch in that dark room. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they were discussing Artrades was going to fall. But I think he's a Mintat. I forget. The, so, the, the books were so complex, dude, so complex. The Mintat obviously had way more of a presence in the book. But they were kind of glossed over in the movie. It was cool to see them actually doing what they were doing, though, like when their eyes roll back. Like that was kind of like for people in the know. They're like, oh, mint dad, okay. <laughs> I thought. So, wait, weren't the mintats the. I thought those were like those robot humans. Yeah. So, you think that. The Baron is a Mentat? No, 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 no. His assistant. <clears throat> oh, okay. And then also uh, the Duke, Duke Atreides, um, his assistant, the the black freckled man with the gray beard. Remember in the beginning when uh, the Emperor's uh, envoy came to give him the message that they were going to take over... Uh, uh, Fuck, um, Arc, Arc, what, what do you call planet? Arceus? Arc, Arc, so many different names. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. He like asked him how much the costs were for the emperor to come all the way out to tell him what they're about to tell him, and the guy's eyes rolled back. Remember that? Yeah. That's a, that the emperor or sorry uh, the Baron Harkins assistant did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the original version was played by the guy who voices Chucky, my boy. Oh damn! Yeah, <laughs> I fucking man, I really really love the original nineteen. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I was all about it. And uh, speaking of, there's one really different character that we haven't talked about yet. That's Gurney. Originally played by uh, uh, John Luke Picard in the uh, original. Thanos played him this time. Now we got Thanos. <laughs> yeah, John Luke Picard <laughs> to Thanos. What a transition. Oh, that was dope. Mysterious cutoff, though, in the movie. It's kind of interesting how he just kind of didn't get a kill scene or like a what if scene or anything. It was kind of just run into battle and follow me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yep. Uh, 
that's another one where I'm going to give the uh, the 1984 version the win. I think uh, Patrick Stewart was better than uh, our boy Thanos, but you know, teach their yeah. own. I think that's just some some bias, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> I think most of the characters were better in this new one. There's just a couple Dude, where I think that I don't think there was really a bad performance in the movie. Just Dave I Batista. Don't, <laughs> nah, dude. I don't even think Dave. They had like fucking a minute and forty six seconds of acting, and, the and none of it was stuff. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, broadcaster Nichols. Here in the crack cellar, as you know, we have a patented, official Nick Cage rating system, and. uh it's a system ordained by time and the broadcaster himself. And for that reason, I know you want to tell us all what you rate. Dune. Contemplated this for quite some time. <laughs> as I was on the toilet. At least Playing Pokemon minutes. Shining Diamond. Or Brilliant Diamond, sorry. <clears throat> And um, come to the firm conclusion, firm, powerful conclusion. That's a face-off. Yep. It's clear as day. It's a solid, solid face-off. And I think I'm going to almost do a future prediction and say part two is probably going to be a solid face-off, just knowing my boy Dennis is doing it. Yeah, it... So I can't imagine it not being the part two, not being as good as part one. I can see it being I, better. I hope so. Dennis just has those vibes, you know, yep, that it does. would be better, that it will be better. Like yeah. I really was hoping that for 2040 Blade Runner 2049, it was a shame to hear that he never was going to do his two, his second part to that. But yep. It was a shame because you just felt watching that as well, that if he had the chance to do one more, it might be like the best sci-fi movie ever made. Yeah, for sure. He just got to put a cap on what everyone wanted to see and to actually see what he wants to do in that universe would have been so fucking cool. Maybe he will do it someday. Who knows? But yeah. Yeah. I also give this a strong face off. Uh, I think it's nearly a perfect movie. The only weak spots are so weak that they take up about like 0.01% of the movie. So it's literally just nothing like this is it's funny. We talk about Hans Zimmer just casually coming in and throwing down the soundtrack. (laughs) It's just kind of how this movie is like in the year 10,191. Everything's perfect. Like fucking this is one of those sci-fi movies is just going to be generational. It's going to be passed down. It's going to be just an all-time classic. You can just tell. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. The real question, though, is who do you think is going to be the emperor? I got three strong theories. (laughs) Three strong. (laughs) Let's go with the strongest. Daniel Day Lewis. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, man, there's so many big name hitters on this fucking movie. How? What? I mean, what's the next big hitter? The guy was like Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis, no doubt. But the real 
crazy ones would be Kyle McLaughlin or Sting coming <laughs> in to be the emperor. That'd be dope. Dude, Kyle McLaughlin as the, the emperor fu- would be so dope. <laughs> Dude, if Sting were the the emperor, it would be too much of a meme. It would just distract. It would be it would be legendary and epic, but it would also, I think, distract from the art a little too much. <laughs> I think Kyle McLaughlin, on the other hand would be fucking equally as badass and legendary, but it wouldn't distract from the art and it wouldn't be as much of a meme. So I like that idea. I, hope I mean, that... I'll dig any three of them. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong with any of those ideas. I just threw out. Oh, well, my prediction is Charlie day. So, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll close out. I mean, I didn't want to say this live on air, but I have uh, confirmed through my sources that it's actually going to be Kyle Rittenhouse who's going to be the emperor. (laughs) (laughs) What's in the box? My dick. (laughs) 